Welcome to the Thirst for More podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Smitley, where we sit down and talk with strength coaches, personal trainers, nutritionalists, and other professionals in the fitness and strength and conditioning field to help athletes, parents, coaches, small business owners help level up their game to provide athletes and clients world-renowned success, either in the weight room, on the field, or on the platform. Enjoy today's episode. On episode 15 of the Thirst for More podcast, I sit down and do a solo episode and discuss five things that I wish I knew before I started my gym. Um, the reason this kind of came up is that as a, as a fitness facility and, and training facility, we've now been open for over two years, and one of our interns asked us, you know, what was something that um, I, I didn't really know about, you know, opening a gym and starting a business, or, you know, what would I have kind of told a younger self of mine or you know a couple years ago or somebody would be able to tip me off one or two pieces of advice what would it be i kind of thought well i can string together a couple of ideas that i definitely wish i would have known about before i did this obviously our facility is still doing great we've done great things had i known some of these things a little bit better maybe we could be a little bit further advanced so these these five things are not anything revolutionary but i do think that if you're someone that looks to opening your own training facility or personal training studio um these are five things that i personally would pass on to you um to be able to help you have success in the future i'll preface this and say that i'm not a business guru it's not my background i don't have any degrees in it i'm not um, a sensei in it it's just not my thing but these are just five things that i guess i kind of wish i would have known um and i kind of break them down for you about how maybe you can benefit from them as well um, if you happen to try to open a training facility or even if you work with personal training clients some, some things that might be in the back of your mind so enjoy these five things hopefully you take something away from them um, this is a relatively quicker episode it's a solo one but i do think you'll have some great pieces of information that you can take to starting your own facility if you wish to do so so enjoy episode number 15 and we're back with a guest next week for today's episode on the third from our podcast i'm doing a solo episode and we're going to talk about five things i wish i knew before starting a gym so We've kind of interviewed some people that have started their own gyms, and we've talked about it. And I think you can kind of gather that there's a there's a ton of upswing. There's a lot of really great things about owning your own facility, uh, training athletes, um, working with personal training clients, and, and cultivating a culture that's very unique. Um, it's definitely one of the the great things about owning a gym. However, I try to sit down and think of you know what what are five things I wish I knew two and a half years ago before I put pen to paper. Um, and started on this endeavor of trying to enhance my community and enhance the athletes that I get to work with um, to help people lose weight, feel better, provide a real good training experience. Um, you know, Basically just try to give back to the community in some way, uh, shape, or fashion. And, and what do I wish I could have done differently knowing what I know now after two years? So my first big caveat it first wants to be is that we have obviously gone through quite a bit of hardships um, as as gym owners between myself and my wife, Adrian, um, we've both had to work full-time jobs while we started this up. 
Um, my wife was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which she is now beaten. Um, now we're dealing with COVID-19. And so, you know, there are some definitely big hurdles that we have already battled within two years of business ownership that we have overcome. So it makes me feel very confident that we can probably beat anything that's thrown at us at this point. However, I also did not know that the government would make me shut down my gym. So uh, with all things being said, you know, we're still going to respect the fact that that happened. Um, and we need to be able to prepare for just about anything at, at this point in time uh, with our own gym. So those things aside, five things I wish I knew before starting um, a gym. So these are kind of like in no particular order. There's kind of like what came to mind off the top of my head. Uh, there's not a, there's not exactly, these are more like themes, I guess, because I got a couple different things that I'm going to talk about under each one of them um, and, and how it might lump underneath those, those things. So the very first thing that I wish I knew before I started my gym was that I should trust everyone, but believe no one. And the reason I say that is because I genuinely do try to trust every person that I come in contact with. I believe that I should trust you before I distrust you. Um, you know, you have to give me a reason to think that you're dishonest. And um, I, I still try to do that every day. I still try to trust everybody that I come into contact with. Um, you know, that not saying that I'm naive, but um, I, I just believe that people rightfully don't want to try to screw you over. Um, I don't think most people are like that, and most of the people that we happen to do business with, uh, that we help and assist, I don't think they're those kind of people. However, the reason I have believed no one is because if I had half the people that told me they were to come to my gym and train, or become a personal training client, or become a sports performance athlete, um, I would I would have tremendously more money in my bank account, tremendously more. Even if it felt 50%, one out of those two people, I'd have a lot. Um, and so I, I, the reason I say that is because if you're somebody that's wanting to open your own facility and you're like, man, we got a ton of backing, everyone says they're going to be, you know, they, they can't wait for us to open up or whatever, bullshit. I'm telling you right now, half the people that are telling you that to your face are lying to you. Um, maybe they, maybe something comes up for whatever reason they don't come, but I've had a lot of people tell me they'd come to my gym and come get help, and I've never, for the the light of day, seen them step foot in my facility. And that's not saying they're bad people, but people are gonna kind of blow smoke up your butt, and they're gonna try to make you think it sounds like a great idea. And maybe at the time, you know, they're they're proud for you. They want to be a part of something like that that's gonna help change a community, um, you know, help help you live your dream and be able to give back to people, and and you know, just have a have a really nice future ahead of you for your for you and your family but in most cases they're not when i've heard that i don't see those people we do have some some originals that were there from pretty much day one really great people and if those people are listening to this podcast you know who you are thank you uh, me and adrian genuinely love you as people and we really appreciate you um dropping everything that you had going on in your life to come support us um, and come be a part of our culture come being a part of our culture excuse me um so that's a really quick one but it, it's just it's just the truth of the matter i wish i wish i wish people would have told me that because if you have if you do any kind of research uh, and you're trying to pool about what people like in a gym or a facility and what you're trying to do in your community and say you have like 800 responses and you know out of those 800 you know 300 say they're gonna come to your gym i'd be i wouldn't even say 150 Probably less than 100 of them are actually going to come to your facility out of 800 people you pulled. So 
Um, just keep that in mind if it's something you want to do. I wish I would have known it. I feel like I probably would have tried to do some other stuff to en- enhance our ability to get some people that I talked to or I would have tried to um, change my communication standards and the way that I talk to people about the, the gym and the business to try to maybe make them feel more obligated to come. I'm not saying we should like hold them down and make them come by any means, but uh, that's just the truth of the matter and it's something I wish I would have known uh, from the get-go. The second thing is, um, is that the little shit adds up. And this can be taken in a multitude of ways. And the, the, the main thing that I want you to take away from this is if you're somebody that's trying to start a facility, you try to do all these budget projections and you try to figure out you know, how much money do you need to have for this, that, you know, this kind of equipment and this computer and this system and the software and, and, and all this stuff. All I can say is that whatever you calculate out that you need to start your business increase that number by a minimum of 25% at a minimum. So if you think you're going to need $100,000 to start your gym, take out 125000 because you're going to find all this little shit that adds up that you didn't expect to be there that's going to be an expense um, to, to get things going the way you want to. So you know, that could be trash service, could be trash bags, trash cans. Those are two things that we didn't, I, I didn't plan for. I'm not going to lie. All the paper towels and toilet paper and all that kind of stuff, I, I, I kind of estimated on that. Um, we go through that a lot faster than I thought we would. Um, you know, anytime you're trying to buy like a desk, uh, we buy binders for all of our clients, all the paper, all the printer ink, all those little crappy hidden expenses that you don't think about. Um, anything from an overhead standpoint in terms of like your utilities um, and your rent. Think about all the little things that might add up there um, that you you may have to you know change in light bulbs or whatever. Um, because I can tell you right now, um, your your landlord may be the greatest thing since sliced bread, and they might be the shittiest person you ever met. Um, we're kind of in the boat. We have some really good things about our landlords, but we also have some really um, unfortunate things about our landlords. So. Um, keep that in mind with that little shit adds up because if it's something that you didn't expect you have to pay for, you are going to eventually plan to pay for something that you didn't think you are going to have to. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's really small. Oh, like freaking uh, salt and stuff, salt and sand. If we, like, we live in the Indiana, so we've obviously got some snow during certain times of year. Salt and sand, that's more bullshit stuff that you got to buy that you don't expect to have to pay for. Um, just all those little, little things. It doesn't sound like much. $30 here, $40 there, $50 here, $10 here, $12 there. That that shit gets annoying. Not only from a, a um, financial side of things, you know, having to track all that and, um, you know, be able to do all your accounting and stuff. Because as a small business, you probably are going to have to do that. Um, at least initially, you're probably not going to be able to walk in and pay somebody full time to do all of your, your business side. Um, that stuff really sucks. It's hard to project that what that's going to be, but if you have any idea what you're going to be buying for your facility with stuff like that, I mean, do your best to track it. But I'm just, I'm just saying from personal experience, I would say probably anywhere between 20 and 30% of what you estimate you need add on to what you, you think you're going to need. And so my $100,000 um, expression would say basically you need between $120,000 and $135,000 if you only need $100,000. You'll find real quickly that that, that extra money is just going to start coming from nowhere. So we, we obviously didn't have to take out a loan to do that kind of stuff. Um, we basically purchased everything out of pocket um, and, and saved up a lot. And we had um, all the equipment kind of saved up at the time. So 
Um, I have an article over on Elite FDS. I started my gym with less than 20 grand. I think there's some good lessons there um, with that, and I think I kind of talk about that. So um, definitely keep that in mind. But also the fact that the little shit adds up as well is the stuff that you you don't really enjoy. So I love my job. Um, I, I, I genuinely enjoy driving to work every morning and every afternoon because we have split split hours. So I drive there twice a day. I genuinely drive driving there. Um, you know, I, I love being in my facility. I love being around the people. I love talking to them. I love getting to know them as people. I love seeing the kids make progress. I love hearing about people losing weight and hitting PRs. All that stuff jazzes me up every single day. But they're also the little stuff that also eats at me every single day um, that I don't like doing, which is you know all the accounting stuff and having to do the social media and, and necessarily um, writing articles and making videos. Generally, I like doing that stuff, but the, this, the actual part of editing a video and uploading it and getting it on YouTube and making sure the Google SEO stuff is the way it is and, and all that little shit I hate doing. But it's part of the foundation to get the business to the next level, especially with an online presence um, and from a search engine optimization and a marketing perspective. All that little stuff eventually adds up, and that's kind of important. I think it's part of our success. Um, but you know that that little shit adds up and hits me in the head um, because there's many many days where I don't want to do that stuff. I'd much rather just be able to have a day where I relax on the couch and you know post up and kind of relax like everybody. But I, I don't get that chance. Um, I generally feel that if I'm not working to make my gym better, somebody else is making, working to make, one of my competitors is working to make their facility better, um, and I don't like to lose, so I, I, I kind of have that mindset. So even that little stuff adds up um, to come. So there's the first two, trust everyone, believe no one. Second one is the little shit adds up, um, not only financially, but also just the little tasks that you have to do. It can take a mental toll on you. Um the third thing is network and connect with others. Now, I'm a very social social guy. I have no problem talking to anybody. I have no problem, um, you know, telling stories and helping make good sales. And I, I feel like I'm a good communicator with the clients and athletes that I work with on a daily basis. Also, the parents, um, anybody that may be a prospective client or a lead, I feel like I'm good at communicating with them. However, learning to network and connect with people that um, could potentially help your business is definitely an art. I did not really think, I'm not going to say I thought that I would open it and people would come, but I kind of thought that I had a good enough reputation that that could propel the gym forward by itself. And then the fact that I had mentored my wife and she was well-educated, she just needed more time to be able to display her education and knowledge and her ability to train and communicate. Um, But... You know, being able to have the networks and connections to be able to back you is very important. It doesn't just come out of thin air, but you can't be going to these people expecting them to do something for you. You have to go to these people with what you can provide to be able to help them, whether they're business owners or they're potential clients or sport coaches or other parents of other kids. You have to think, how can we benefit them? What can we do to leverage them as a parent or a client or a potential customer? Um, and, and what can we give them in terms of value? And then after we give them that value, how can we continue to provide that value and make sure that our value is exceeding what our actual price tag is, right? So if our service is $100, a month, for example, let's just to make math easy, 
I want to make sure that I'm able to provide them anywhere from 40 to 60% more of, than what they're paying. So if they're paying a $100 a month service, I want them to feel like it's 140 to $160 a month service that they're getting because then it's going to be very, very, very hard for them to walk away from something that looks like a steal. And in my opinion, what we do is a steal. However, that's my opinion. Um, you know, That's my experience of what I went through as a kid. But I got to make sure that the parents and my customers feel that they're getting that deal. You know, everyone might say, oh, it's so expensive. Well, to the people that are currently renewing every month, we're not expensive. We're a deal. We want to remain it. When we lose that edge of being a deal, a good value, that's when people leave and go somewhere else. Um, you know, there are obviously other factors involved, um, but I do believe that networking, connecting with others helps you build that value higher because then we have a community of people in one place that can help each other. You know, we have um, various doctors and EMTs and teachers and lawyers and investors and um, in terms of people that go there, not like they're investing in our business. Um, investors, um, business people, marketing people, uh, people that work at hospitals and, and other businesses and do their social media marketing. Like All those people can help provide us something, but we got to figure out how we can help them first, and then we can use their education to help us. And a really, really good example that I can that I can give of this um, is is one of the uh, one of the parents that we happen to have a have a good relationship with. Uh, we've provided value, and so then they've found a way to help let other parents know that we even exist. I didn't know that gym was there. I didn't know that's where your kid was going. I, no wonder why they've had such good success and made progress. But that parent goes out of their way to tell other parents because they're like, hey, this is a, this is a value. This is a steal. Your kid may be a good athlete, um, but I think they can be a better athlete if they go train at Thirst, um, and that might help them get that Division One or Division Two scholarship or you know, provide things that the weight room provides that you may not get elsewhere um, in terms of life coaching. So um, networking and connecting with others like that is great, um, but it's something that I didn't initially think about as a business owner. I didn't think about how can I help other people. I was thinking more, you know, how can, I, how can they help me? And now that we've kind of flipped that on its head and trying to always figure out how we can provide that extra bit of value to other people to connect with them and also just, you know, go to their social events when they have stuff and they invite us to things, we go. We do everything we can to, to go spend time with these people outside of the gym. Um, that way we get to know them better as people and network and connect, um, hence the the tag of it, um, and then and use that to help leverage us as a, a good viable, not only business, but good people, good coaches, good trainers, and then that, that gives us some good brand recognition as well. But at the same time, we're also doing them a favor, and we're, we're there to like help educate others as well and kind of talk about what we do. And usually that's when you give stuff away for free. People are asking questions. Hey, here's what I'm eating. How do I, how do I see some quick improvement? You know, if, um, if you've got 10, 15 minutes with them, like, hey, man, tell me what you're eating. We can talk about you know, how we can improve this nutritional habit or what are you doing when you exercise two days a week. You know, what do your workouts look like at home? How can we... How can we maybe give you some free advice right now that you can immediately take home and implement and see positive benefits from? Because then maybe they'll come back because we gave them something first. 
and then they had that that psychology that they almost feel obligated to come back. Not always, but um, sometimes that's how that works. But we just give that out, you know, freely, um, in hopes that the karma comes back, and you know, we need to see them again, or somebody comes and or they recommend us to somebody else, and again, that networking connecting circle happens, and then it comes back full circle to us. So, to make that a little short. Um, talk with everybody, figure out mutual connections, friends, family members, anything you can do to have your circle kind of like just start pronging out in different areas. And then, you know, as, as your business grows, and I'm no expert on this, I'll tell you right now, I've only been in business two years, so I can't, I can't say I'm great at this. But as those fingers grow out from your, your tree of your business, then you can start focusing on certain ones that generally tend to lead to more business acquisitions, uh, more clientele. Um, increased revenue and then the other ones that don't do as well you can begin to pull away from or put less marketing effort into um, on that so that kind of gets me to my fourth one uh, which is set aside a marketing budget it seems really freaking obvious but I can tell you right now between me and my wife we didn't set aside anything marketing budget wise um, we, we didn't like estimate out what we thought we should do. We had no plan of attack. We had no goals. We quite honestly, we thought, you know what, we'll open the gym up. We got these people that we know that are probably going to come Again, kind of circling back to number one, trust everyone, but believe no one. Um, and then, you know, word of mouth will just start spreading and we're not going to have to dump money and, you know, we'll have our social media accounts and, you know, you can post on all that for free, which is great. You know, that's, that's really good. You cross your fingers or shares, retweets. Um, shares and stories, likes, comments, tags, whatever you want to call them. Um, but you do all that, and then you know we kind of thought we'd sit back and cross our fingers. And hindsight, that was really dumb. Um, we should have definitely set aside a certain amount of money a month for uh, social marketing. We did one digital marketing thing with somebody. Um, and I completely regret it, 100%, waste of money. I would have been way better off just taking that money and dumping it into Facebook or Instagram. Um, live and learn, but that's something that I wish that we would have definitely taken a lot more serious. I think we could have got off the ground rolling a little bit faster, um, but at the same time, you know, everything still worked out okay. So in hindsight, maybe it was okay that we didn't, but at the same time, I'm kind of thinking, well... We could have probably established a better brand and reputation early by doing some social media marketing because we've had really good success with the social media marketing that we currently do. Um, you know, I'm definitely spending more on that than I was last year, um, and I, I think I'm we're at a good balance. I can't speak on what 2021 will bring, but all of the analytics and all of our referral papers that we have everyone filling out. Um, Everything seems to show that Facebook, Instagram, and Google are number one drivers for business um, in terms of how you heard about us outside Here's of... Here's what I found. Outside of the... Um, as I say, Google, my phone talks to me. That's kind of great. Um, outside of those avenues, we, we have found that, you know, obviously word of mouth is the best. So... I guess for the marketing side of things, um, if I have any recommendation is, you know, make a really good social media account. I mean, really good. Put some time into it. Um, I try to put time into ours, and I'm I'm currently reading uh, one of Gary Vaynerchuk's 
books that my friend Alex gave me. Um, I'm not very far into it yet, but I've already taken away some key things I think that we can benefit from. But uh, I, I think that we we missed the boat on that initially. Uh, obviously, it's not come back to haunt us. Um, and we, we obviously are doing okay, and we're doing a much better job with it now. But I think if you're somebody that's wanting to start a gym or you're interested in starting a gym or you have just started a gym and you're kind of struggling, maybe this is something that can help you that can help give you that that edge um, just to give you an example pretty much every facebook ad that i've ran has converted to at least one client at least one client and we know what the value the estimated value of a one client is for our facility and i can't even it, the percentage of return is so high that i can't even calculate it i mean we're talking thousands of percent so if you take a hundred dollars on facebook and and dump it into one good ad for a week, two weeks, whatever. And make sure it's good. You know, you obviously got your hyperlinks and all that stuff so people can contact you. Provide something educational. Make sure it's quality image. Um, and make sure it's got something that kind of like spurs interaction too. Whether you know you want to drive them to click that link, like find out more. Um, you know, give them a snippet. You know, hook them in. They click that link. Want to learn more? And then, and then they feel kind of like, okay, I, I need to learn some more. I need to find out. I need to contact these people. Because um, obviously all this stuff also breaks down you, what you can, what you're basically paying per click. Um, and, you know, we've, had, we've got very good numbers on that too. Um, but to me, clicks don't really mean a whole lot if they're not taking any action from those clicks. So as long as you have something like that and it's driving some phone calls and some emails and some inquiries and you're able to get a chance to talk to people and sell in person i think you're gonna do great we've done a really good job with it we've had really good success with it i don't feel like we're amazing salesmen or anything i feel like we're just honest about what we do when we try to provide that and i think that's kind of comes out in our social media posts that we we boost um and it's also not clickbaity i i, I don't really like the clickbait material i i think if you're genuine and you're real i think over the long term you'll get more clicks um, you know, maybe you have a clickbaity post and it works for one or two goes, but then after that, people start being like, "Man, this per- this this page is always on my feed and it's always got this clickbaity crap." The last thing you want them to do is to not interact with that because they're less likely to see it in the future, right? So, um, all that weird social media marketing crap, it it again, this goes into the little shit that adds up. The stuff that I don't like doing, but obviously you can tell them I've invested a little bit of time in it for us. Um, has gone a long way. So the short, simple, sweet way of looking at this is set aside a budget, invest in it, get some help, read some books, dive into it, and and use it. I think it's probably our strength. I know when, when you do a SWOT analysis, your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, I think one of our strengths is our social media presence and the way that we use that. Um and that doesn't mean that we're better than everybody. I just think that we capitalize on it more. I think most of our competition just completely ignores it. They cross their fingers. Someone's going to Google their gym or their facility, and they're going to go there. And it doesn't work that way. Um, with today's age and cell phones, cell phones are in everybody's hands all the time. I want, if that's the case and that's always in someone's hand, I want my social media platform to be present in their hand 
to be able to be seen. I want the brand recognition, if anything, that someone sees that and they know what we do and who we are and what kind of people we are um, and the kind of results that we provide. So that's what I wish I would have done two years ago because I think, that, again, we could have seen a bigger uh, improvement. So hopefully I give you some stuff that you can use there too as well because I'm not good at this stuff, but this is just what I've, I've done um, for our facility and for our business that we've had good success with with Facebook. Um, Instagram, I'm still trying to figure out. Um, it's a little bit different considering we train kids because we know that kids are not the one purchasing the training. The parents are. So we almost have to market towards the parents, but we got to be well-known with the kids. So we use Instagram to kind of be well-known, start following the kids, interact with them, tag them, share stuff that they do. And with the parents, you know, we kind of market more towards the value of what we provide the kids for the parents. You always have to have two marketing strategies strategies there um, if you're going to do the whole sports performance thing. You know, if you just you do personal training or whatever, that may not be as important, but that's something that you need to also, I guess, take into consideration when you do your marketing is, you know, who are you marketing towards and how do you garnish their attention and you're not, you know, just throwing darts out the window. You know, you want to make sure you hit the wall. Um, so that's number four, set aside marketing budget. And number five, the last one, I kind of ran through these other ones kind of quick because I felt like this one is probably going to have the most meat and potatoes to it because anything and everything from a business standpoint can fall under this, and it's kind of cliche, but uh, before you start a gym, you definitely got to learn to adapt. We've learned that with my wife getting cancer. We've learned that with COVID-19 and being shut down. Um, We've learned that with... um, I'll I'll go and just tell you the story that after a couple months of being open, um, the the fire marshal showed up and basically said that we were out of code with all this stuff, that stuff, um, you know, this and that. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like, the landlord just redid the entire part of this building for it to make it up to commercial standards. Um, I've been told everything's fine, you know, and they're trying to find a way to shut us down. Um, luckily, my landlords were great people and did everything, which I guess, you know, from a legal standpoint, they're kind of responsible for. It's their building. Um, I'm leasing the space, and so I guess they technically do have an obligation to make sure that it stays up to code. Um, but, you know, they 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 basically said we had to build another bathroom, and we had to rip down the stall, and we had to in, add another exit door, and we had to add all these fire extinguishers in certain places. Um, you know, there were just a lot of little nitpicky things that were thousands and thousands of dollars. Again, the little shit that adds up. Um, within a couple of months of opening, and my landlords took care of it and got it right and, and made some phone calls and figured out why that happened. And um, just to say that while there's not an actual proof, one of the competitors in town, I believe, um, tried to do something to knock us out because we had just snagged about 35 to 40 members from their gym within two weeks of opening um and i do think that that kind of you know didn't sit well and so i think they kind of made a phone call to try to figure out a way to kind of get at us and you know kind of chop our ankle off um, i don't have any proof behind that but within the politics they're involved i i do believe that there was some kind of nudge there but we got through that um you know we're fine obviously um, and then obviously with my wife getting cancer, that adaptation was hard. We had to, we had to have uh, some of our family members help run the gym, basically like go open it up and you know be able to let people do their training. And my wife had to 
work around all that stuff and still work with some of her clients for the time when I was still working full full time. Um, there was just a lot of a lot of really hardship there, and adapting to that, I think, as very young newlywedded couple in a new gym was very hard. But I think now looking back, it's it's served us well. We we communicate better. We try to we try to empathize with each other whenever something is not going our way. Or we need to we need to work together as a team to be able to accomplish something. When I need help, she asks what she can do to help, and when she needs help, I ask her what I can do to help, and that makes the flow of business go better. You know, we kind of still stay in our own lanes a little bit, but we understand that this is a teamwork-based uh, position that we have as, as gym owners, and we need to be able to help each other for the gym to be able to do its best. The other thing that we've kind of also went through, obviously, was the COVID-19 shutdown. I'm going to bring this up because um, in a particular Facebook group, somebody was complaining about the um, that gym in New Jersey that has defied the governor or multiple times and um you know I, I feel incredibly bad for that guy as somebody that's had their my business shut down and told me that i can't go to work and i can't provide for my family that's not very cool um however uh i know that's been six months and basically they were like well, what are you thinking about this guy breaking into his own gym to open his gym up and let people train and I pretty much said that you know I, I understand with the guy you know I'm I'm a gym owner I've I, I'm on both sides I see it it sucks there's not a good answer there's just not a good answer there's there's not if there was a, it was a good answer it already would have happened and been able to take place and seen positive results but since there's not a good answer we have to figure out you know what can we do to compromise and apparently they have tried compromising in some degree I, I don't know the whole backstory. Um, it's really, quite frankly, none of my business. I'm using this to make a point, but I basically said that you know you have to think about the long-term benefits of what you're doing. Is breaking into your own gym and you know doing this is is that a good look? Or when when everything legally opens back up for you, are you going to be acquiring new members or are you going to be losing members because people are like, well, that guy kept breaking the law. I'm going to go to the gym that wasn't breaking the law and was doing everything right and was providing their clients workouts, da 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 I don't know. I, I, I can't speak on what New Jersey's doing and, and what other gyms are doing in their in their market. I, I don't know. I can only speak upon what we did and how we adapted, how we pivoted to be able to leverage ourselves to stay open but also provide value and see growth, have a growth mindset. And... So, you know, we, we did things. We, we provided um, resources and workouts and exercise videos, and we bought more bands and let people take those, and you know, we rented out a little bit of equipment, and we provided bodyweight workouts. Um, you know, we called everybody. We sent cards and thank yous, and uh, we got everybody a, a, a free shirt for when they came back when the gym opened. Um, there was just, you know, we tried to provide, again, like I kind of talked about earlier, we tried to provide a value that was higher than what they were paying. And we basically explained, you know, that we're, we're going to be here with you for the long haul. And so we want you here with us for the long haul. And if we have this good relationship, then th- everything's going to be fine. Not ideal. I I worked a lot during that time. You know, I wasn't, may have not been in the gym, but if you get on 
the Thirst Gym website, go look at the exercise index, and I'll wait for you to find a gym that probably has an exercise index quite as deep as ours. I don't think it's there. I'm still working on it. There's still some big bang, simple stuff that I want to do. Um, but you know, I don't have all day to shoot YouTube videos, and like we said, the little shit adds up. I don't, I don't have time to do all that little shit. So I do what I can when I can, but always try to make sure that I'm providing some kind of free value on our website. I'm trying to get some articles on there. Um, you know, so is my wife, so is Andrew. Like we're, we're trying to do some of these things to give us that edge, but we had to adapt at the time to provide value for the current clients and parents that we had. If we didn't do that, people just look like they're throwing us money and they're not getting anything in return. Sure, we're going to get our training sessions when we come back. You want a little bit more than that. You want to know that I'm not just sitting on my butt collecting your money and I'm going to run away with it. Um, you know, I'm not that kind of person, but you, as a business owner, you want to, oh, like I said, over-deliver. Over-deliver and provide that value that is higher than what they're paying. So anyways... On this Facebook group, you know, I basically explained that. I explained how since we've came back, we've had really good success. Everyone's been happy. We've seen new clients. Uh, it, it seems like we've done everything that we can within our power to be safe and to, um, just to care about everybody's well-being. And of course, you know, you get that one guy that's saying, "Oh, it's not practical. It's not real. It's not reliable. Um, it's not. It's not very. It's not very realistic. Not every gym can do that. You're telling me that every gym should um, buy their clients' bands and move to online training resources and." Um, you know, talk about people that go from using barbells and now they've got to use bands. How's that going to help them reach their goals? And I just straight up told the dude, I said, man, here's the thing. The barbell one, we, as we know, is just a tool. But besides that, we're talking a couple months here, okay? We're not talking about that you're never going to get to train a gym ever again in your life. It, you know, that that would kind of piss me off. I love the gym. And if I got man told me I can't bench press, squat, or deadlift ever for the rest of my life, there's going to be no such thing as a gym in the United States anymore. I would be, obviously, first I'd be screwed because my job, but I would also be deeply heartened because that's my passion. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we've been thrown a challenge. We have to figure out a way to adapt to that challenge to provide some kind of value to our customers, you know, no matter what kind of you are. Um, and give them that value and continue to try to be able to figure out a way to provide results for those people. Because in most cases than not, this guy sounded like a meathead and I hate to say that because I am a meathead, but he seemed to only care about the fact, the fact that there was not going to be a barbell and it's not viable. That kept me, kept being his backseat pocket. This is not viable. This is not viable. It's not viable. Well, guess what? A lot of this shit with the COVID stuff is not viable, but guess what? Every business that's still open is doing everything they can in their power to think outside the box, to provide value so that you can continue to come in their stores, buy their services, use their products, moving to online, drive through only, whatever. They're adapting to the situation that they have so that they can stay open. So if you're just too lazy to do that, you know, not that I'm calling the people of that gym New Jersey lazy, but I was just talking about, you know, trying to find out ways to provide value outside and to adapt, if they didn't try that, I think that was a mistake. I think I would have tried to be able to provide all that stuff before you start knocking down doors and you know putting yourself in a, in a corner because now you're pretty much stuck in that corner. You can't, you can't try to provide online service and stuff now because you're basically saying we're going to open no matter what. And so your customers are going to be there with you if they're still there. 
they may have went somewhere else and be like, hey, the gym down, you know, gym three or four miles away. If I'm a member there, they're sending me online training. They're letting me rent out some stuff. They're meeting me at the park once a week and we're doing some workouts there. Ideal? No. I know it's not ideal. But if that bridges the gap for three months and you're still able to provide people the ability to work out rather than sit on their ass, I think you're going to get that client. You're probably going to keep that client for a long time. Where if you don't do anything and just bust down doors, or bust down your own doors, I guess I should say, that may not necessarily lead to clientele acquisition in the future. So the reason I'm talking about this is because we had to adapt. And then I'm talking about another guy that's basically saying that not everybody can adapt. My argument is that all the good coaches and gym owners that I know of, um, and I'll try to name some off the top of my head right now that I can think of, but uh, Mike Robertson, J.L. Holdsworth, Eric Cressy, um, Mike Muralis, Nick Showman, Joe Sullivan, um, Force Fitness and Performance, um, Lift Lab, Indy City. Um, I'm trying to name a lot of people that are kind of in our area. Um, just any of those places, Zach Evanesh's uh, Underground, like all those places that have tried to adapt and pivot and work around things, we're still open. You know, we, we did those things. Alan Cosgrove is another person I thought of from Results Fitness University. We've changed everything that we do for a brief period of time, and it took a lot of work. Ask any of us. It took a lot of work to be able to continue to provide value to our customers, and guess what? Every single one of those gyms that I just said is back open for business. And I've talked to some of those people, and actually right now, business right now is better than ever for some of them. It's better than ever. After a shutdown, they've acquired new clients, new athletes, new members, because they did all the little shit and showed that they provide value and they care, and people say, you know what? That's something i got to be a part of. That's that's the way it should be. Are you going to lose people? Probably. But more than likely, you're probably going to acquire new people faster than you lose them in, in that situation. So learning to adapt is not something that you can necessarily go into with starting a gym that just comes out of nowhere. You don't just walk in with the ability to know how to adapt. And I think whenever you interview for jobs and stuff, people want to know you know how you react to certain situations they give you those awkward interview questions where they're like so and so steals something what do you do you learn to adapt you adapt on the fly you make rational decisions you think about it you make ethical choices um your good choices based on ethics which i've kind of talked about in another podcast episode and you go with the flow and adapting is definitely the hardest part about at least for me for about owning a gym because every month is different Every month is different in some way, shape, or form. Whether we got a, a new overhead expense, we got an influx of new clients, we got a, you know, we're, we're losing a couple people for, uh, we're, you know, we're obviously since we train athletes, different types of seasons of the year, different athletes. So if we're a, you know, right now we're a relatively baseball heavy gym. If spring season rolls around, I should expect to watch my revenue drop down a little bit. That doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. I just got to learn to adapt and be like, okay, well, we're not seeing quite the revenue come in during baseball season. What can we do to try to balance this? What kind of service can we offer? What kind of marketing can we do to get in more fall sport athletes? You know, the football, cross country, soccer, or even the winter athletes. Basketball, cheerleading, volleyball, 
um, swimming. You know, how do we how do we get a relatively mixed group of athletes to balance that out so that if we have a little dip, theoretically we know we're going to bounce back really strong in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. So that's part of the adapting part is that I, I don't I don't I don't want to be known as like the the football gym like. I don't want just football guys. I want all. I want to be honest with you. I want every sport but football. But obviously, that seasonality comes where we got to learn how to adapt based upon what we have, and that will be forever our gym business because we work with kids, and our clients we know will leave us. They're gonna go to school. They're gonna graduate. They're gonna move. They're gonna, you know, come in some seasons and come out some seasons. That's just part of it. But the nice thing is there's always kids and there's always sports, COVID-19 pending, of course. So I feel like we've got some really good steady things, too, that we were banking on always being steady. And so that was our big thing was that obviously being shut down and then sports being shut down. There's a lot of unknowns with that. The other thing about the learning to adapt is that initially I thought that the community would get behind about something, what we do. I would say that for the vast majority – we we do have a good community involvement. We have community engagement. The community stands behind us, I think, in most cases than not. But we also got to learn to adapt that there are people that are going to try to throw shade your way. Um, regardless of what you do, you could – I'll give you an example. Um, there was a kid that I worked with that did relatively well, um, made good progress, got stronger, gained a little bit of weight, um, and – you know, we lost him, and uh, he decided to not come back. And you know, I, I I can't, I won't divulge too much information about why he didn't come back. But at the end of the day, it's because I was using training methodology that I believed in over what they believed in. And at the end of the day, I said, you know, I'm 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 here to deliver results. Kid wants to be faster, wants to be stronger, wants to be bigger. I delivered on all three of those fronts. I did my job in terms of the performance realm. And there's nothing, there's, the only thing I could have done differently was implement what this person wanted me to implement. But I knew that that was not the right, from an integrity standpoint, I knew that was not the right way to do it. And I also knew that there was not long-term benefit to that. Giving you what you want is not my job in terms of the training method. Giving you what the kid wants from a performance standpoint is wants to be faster than I well I need to get him faster but if they want to train with strongman stuff sorry we're not doing that shit I don't believe in that I don't think that's the best way to develop an athlete and we're not going to do it there are other places you can go to do that if that's what you so desire but that's not what I'm going to do I'm going to do what I genuinely believe is going to give your athlete and your kid the best chance for success while staying healthy and giving you the results that you want the bigger stronger faster whatever so you know, I, I've had to learn to adapt and accept that I'm not going to make all of my customers happy. I'm going to do everything I can to make them happy, but there's there's just some really pe- – really, I'm going to say this as bluntly as I can. There's some really shitty people out there that are just never happy. Never, never happy. And you're going to get those people, and that kind of adds up to your, your, your little shit that adds up, pisses you off, gets you going. But those, those people – I think are looking for vindication that what they're doing is good or right or they want they quote unquote want it with the Joneses they want to be doing what looks great 
So, you know, I, I, I know that every now and then when I write training programs, I give people a little bit of what they want. You want your kid to get killed? Fine. We'll, we'll just kill him with a prowler. You know, we'll, we'll do some prowler sprints and, and get him working. But chances are, like I've talked about in other episodes, we're going to hit home on the basics that I wanted to do, and that's, to me, what's important. Um, so, you know, I have to give a little bit of that flash for cash, but I, I, I give it in a safe, methodical manner, and also we're at a point where I don't feel that I'm budging on my integrity. I'm giving what I want to give. I'm just giving you a tiny slice of what you want to see, and then I can honestly probably care less whether they actually go hard on that or not. But that learning to adapt like that is something that I, I, I'm gonna, not going to lie. When the gym opened, I didn't think I'd have to adapt as much as, I'm, as I have. And I've had to just be steady with it and you know be honest with myself and talk with Adrian and Coach Andrew about you know you know what should we be trying to do and accomplish? Um, does this look good? And just kind of going from there. So um, that's why I was number five. Obviously, I kind of rambled on about that. I kind of threw some random stories in there for you to help you kind of figure out how the the adapting I guess works. Um, it's not based on any kind of scientific model or whatever. It's a it's almost like a gut instinct. And I, I generally think if you come back to your core values, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, I think that that will steer you in your right direction when you come up to these five things. Um, so just to briefly go through what they are again, it was trust everyone, believe no one. Um, number two is that the little shit adds up in everything that you do, um, whether it's monetary-wise or just the, the little political crap or you know, the stress, um, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, that networking, connecting with others is definitely of vital importance. And when you do that, how can you provide value to those people first before they provide value to your business? Prepare to basically give more than you get. Your networking and your connections will go pretty far when you do that. Um, something we didn't do very well was setting aside a marketing budget from the get-go. We screwed that one up. We missed the boat on that. That one's just kind of straight up simple. Do it. Figure out where your customers are on their phones. Are they on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, whatever. Um, Figure out a way to make sure that you can get your business uh, from a marketing standpoint on those platforms to where the people that you're trying to sell to are, are there. And then I think that will help you get a leg up early, especially if you're in a community that's not really big you know if you're in big big time communities you might have to be a little bit more methodical about that but a community like mine we're not that big you know if i boost a post out it's going to reach damn near 23 percent of everybody especially after shares and likes and comments and all that stuff um so you know i have to spend a lot of money and i can get a far better reach than i can through like a newspaper or the news um and then number five last one is learn to adapt if you don't adapt, uh, you won't survive. So, um, but you know, we obviously kind of knew that from the get-go. But just be able to plan to adapt more than what you had anticipated. You're going to have a lot of bumpy things pop up the first couple years that you probably didn't expect, um, and I know we did, and we're still here. So, hopefully, some of the stories I told you can help provide some insight on how we did that. Not necessarily what we did was right. I'm just saying what we did, what worked well for us, may work for you, may not. I can't say. But those are the five things that I wish I knew before starting my gym. Um, there's definitely some other things I could have added onto this list, but I tried to keep it short and sweet. I wanted to keep the episode length 
around an hour or less so that you can try to take some of the stuff and figure out how it might help you if you're trying to start a gym or you have the ideology that you might want to try to start a gym in the future. Um, I will probably eventually do five things that I love about owning a gym, something like that, to kind of give you the flip side of stuff because this is not designed to be negative. This is designed to be an honest, open discussion about what I wish I would have known because I think if I would have done these things, I think we'd be even further. I think you know our revenue would be up 20%, 30%. I think we'd have more clients. We'd have made a better impact. We'd have more kids going that we've worked with go maybe to the collegiate athletic side of things. We'd you know, raise more money for the cancer with our cancer stuff. You know, All that stuff that we do, I think, would have been accelerated had I done these things a little bit better um, or known about them just in general. We could have seen some positive benefits. So... If you have any kind of comments, questions, or whatever, please feel free to contact me. Like I said on the episodes I'd always do solo-wise, I love to hear what people's thoughts and opinions are and stuff, if it helps you. Um, and then give us a, a like and share on the social medias. Um, if you listen to this on iTunes or whatever, give us a five-star rating, all that kind of stuff if you like it. Um, you know, I, I try to do these every four to five episodes, solo ones, just so you can get some stuff from me. But I also like talking to other people, so um, I've got some other really, really great interviews that I'm trying to get scheduled uh, that I think everyone will benefit from, and so those will come out in the next couple weeks. But hopefully something you hear take away if you're trying to start a gym. If you're not trying to start a gym, you know maybe this helps you be a better coach or better personal trainer, stuff to think about if you're working underneath somebody. Maybe what they're going through, maybe you can help ease that transition from some of this stuff or you can figure out a way to bolster some of these things that they're going through, like the adapting. You know, if you're working for somebody <clears throat> and they're trying to adapt this whole coronavirus thing, maybe you have some ideas that you can add to the table and say, hey, maybe we can try this, maybe we can try that. I'm willing to do this if it helps mean that, you know, we can get an extra client or two down, down the road, whatever. Um, these are things that I think are very actionable. They're very five simple things that every gym probably will admit that they they wish they knew a little bit more about. So, again, thanks for listening to the episode. Had a great time passing on some of this stuff. I'm looking forward to be back on here in the next couple episodes with another solo one. Like I said, going to be recording with some new people here in the coming weeks. So, like I said, any questions, comments, feel free to get a hold of me. Thanks, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening to Thirst for More podcast. Give us a follow on Spotify, iTunes, Google, and other streaming services. Feel free to visit our website, thirstgym.com. That's T-H-I-R-S-T-G-Y-M.com. And click on the podcast tab to look over show notes and extra free resources. You can also give us a follow on Instagram at Team Thirst. That's T-E-A-M period T-H-I-R-S-T or you can give me a follow at B Smitley that's B-S-M-I-T-L-E-Y for more updates on future episodes to come. I'm your host Brandon Smitley and we'll catch you at the next episode.